is Jerry Snyder, and I'm with the Historic Amsterdam League. We're going to do a little discussion talking about our Amsterdam Icons 2021 calendar, which the theme is the Amsterdam Fire Department in the early years with the volunteer companies and the early years of the department. Also, we're going to talk about our Ghosts of the Past tours, which take place at Green Hill Cemetery. This is the Historian's Podcast. We welcome Jerry Snyder, one of the founders of Historic Amsterdam League, which celebrates and preserves history in Amsterdam, New York. He is the author of Ghosts of the Past, 2012 to 2019, which describes the League's very popular cemetery tours, and also he's put together the Amsterdam Icons Calendar uh, for 2021, which chronicles Amsterdam's Fire Department. The publications are available uh, from the Historic Amsterdam League. You can find more information online. Let me uh, start with the uh, fire department, uh, uh, Jerry. Uh, you have kind of a real powerful quote there in the in the calendar saying, fire has always been an ever-present threat and danger. And and people are, are just very interested in the history of, I would say, probably any fire department. It's one of the reasons uh, we thought that it would be a good uh, good area to cover on the calendar this year. Uh, it's always hard to come up with a subject that uh, kind of catches everybody's interest for the calendar. And uh, the fire department is something that, when you think about it, is, has been here since the early days of the, uh, the village and uh, the early days of the city. Got a lot of history that goes with it. Uh, fires have always been, as it says, uh, you know, part of the history of the city. And it seems like... Uh, a very interesting area to get into and take a look at, and there's certainly a lot that goes with it. So uh, it seemed to be a natural, something we could uh, take a look at this year. And uh, I think there's a lot of good information there and a lot uh, a lot that people probably didn't realize and know about in the early days, and that's what we tried to concentrate on, the early days of the uh, volunteer companies and the early days of the department. Yes, those volunteer companies is how the fire department started. Uh, their first fire station in 1839 on Chuckanunda Street, which is a small but mighty street in downtown uh, Amsterdam. It goes right next to the creek. And the building, let's see if I get this straight, that was the original fire station ended up being remodeled or something like that and later became the city police station? Yes. Uh, once uh, once it was done being used as the, as the uh, fire station uh, in uh, 1920 uh, when they... Uh, Got the uh, the West Main Street uh, Central Fire Station, which a lot of a lot of us old timers, I'll say here in Amsterdam, remember, was on the corner of Pearl and West Main Street. The uh, the old Kellogg Stables that was converted to the Central Station. That building was excess; they no longer needed it on Chuckton Under Street. That uh, that became the police station for a number of years until the public safety building opened in the early 70s. And then the police moved up there, but to Church Street and. And, and Route 5. Well, you mentioned how the, we old-timers remember. I really don't have a great memory of the uh, Central Fire Station. That wasn't my neighborhood. I mean, it wasn't down there. But I do recall very uh, fondly, I guess you'd say, Engine Number 6, which was at uh, Pulaski and Bartlett on Reed Hill, which is where I grew up or where I spent my years as a youngster. Because I remember my dad would hang out with the firemen quite a lot. He seemed to know a lot of them. I mean, he'd never been in the fire service or anything like that. 
And so he went there. So it was a real treat for me. I used to go over, and there's a picture of me sitting in front of uh, AFD number six in one of those uh, fire department chairs. Well, I should have gotten that from you for the for the calendar there, Bob. <laughs> Could have used that. Uh, that was that was the last what they called the satellite stations when they had the stations out in the neighborhoods, and uh, those those were established because uh, that was actually before uh, before the uh, you know a lot of those uh, neighborhood stations were evolution for when the volunteer companies were out there. When you had the horse-drawn equipment, you couldn't really have a central station. By the time they'd get from the central station all the way up to some of the outskirts in the city, it'd take too long to get out there. So the satellite stations were developed and uh, built in different areas of the city to serve serve that, especially such as uh, uh, Bun Street and uh, areas such as that where uh, by the time you got the horse-drawn <coughs> equipment up the hills, it would take too long, so you had to have the outlying stations. So uh, the one on Pulaski Street, number six, was actually the last one that was built and the last one that was closed. I believe it's a private residence now, or something like that. Yes, it is. It's, it's interesting that uh, so many, uh, so many of them still uh, still are around. Uh, Bun Street Station is still up there. That's a, that's a commercial building now, and uh, we still have uh, still have the one on uh, Division Street there, where uh, Walter Martin lives up there, and he was very helpful with the calendar, with all the information that he's been able to provide, and he's kind of the unofficial historian for the for the fire department. Number three is still up on Brookside, so there's uh, there's still several of the stations that are still there. Unfortunately, the one on Chuck Denunda is gone. That was torn down, and uh, that's now the parking lot there next to the diner. Well, you mentioned Walter Martin. I mean, he was a, a veteran of the fire department, correct? Definitely, yes. Yeah, he for many years, and Walter has been very helpful. Uh, whenever we've uh, whenever we've asked for any kind of information on the fire department, he's definitely been able to help us out, and he helped with some of the pictures and some of the information that I was able to, uh, to utilize in the calendar here. So uh, Walt's been a very very good source, a very good friend over the years. And another name uh, is Mark Perfetti, who I believe also was in the fire service, was able to collect. A lot of the photos that were being discarded by the recorder, or in any way, he's made it into an online archive. Yes, Mark. Uh, Mark really uh, was able to help out quite a bit too. He's he's got an online archive, and uh, he's he's got thousands of old Amsterdam photos online. And uh, he was he was very helpful, and very generous. Uh, we were able to uh, obtain a, a very very good uh, arrangement with Mark. Uh, the, a lot of the photos in the calendar we were able to get through Mark, and he worked mm. with us and gave us a very good, uh, very good uh, deal on those. So, uh, but he has he has a tremendous uh, gallery online, and um, you can go and look through all those photos for free. And it it took me about two weeks to go through everything he has online. He has well over ten thousand old photos of Amsterdam. It's well worth going through and just looking at wow. it. Great memories. Uh, in the calendar, you do take up the subject of fires, what, the reason we have a fire department. And one of your quotes is, serious fires populate Amsterdam uh, history. The one that uh, stands out, I, I think, in a very sad or bad way, was the, the fire on Schuyler Street in an East End uh, tenement building. Yes, that, that definitely was one of the worst ones in, in Amsterdam history. I believe it took 12 lives there. And uh, that that one was very sad. Uh, I didn't want to get too uh, you know down for 
for the uh, theme of the calendar and everything, but that was definitely bad. There's been, been a number of bad fires in the history of Amsterdam, and uh, you know that definitely, if if someone you know goes and looks at some of the old newspaper archives and stuff, that that was covered in extreme detail in the old newspapers and everything, and that was that was kind of showed showed some of the really bad living conditions that existed in the city at the time, and there were a lot of code changes and stuff that came out of that that really helped alleviate what were a lot of the problems in the housing that existed and some of the some of the worst housing conditions that did exist here in the city in the poorer neighborhoods. So, unfortunately, it takes things like that sometimes to... Uh, to get things changed for the better, and uh, hopefully, the, you know, all out of that tragedy, there did did come some some good. So the Amsterdam icons, the history of the Amsterdam Fire Department, and that's available now from Historic Amsterdam League. And I, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, you go online and you can find out about how to get it. Yes, you can go to you can go to the uh, you can go to the, our website historicamsterdam.org. For the first time now, you can actually order it through our website. Uh, we, we come into the 20th century, at least, if not the 21st, on our, <laughs> on our website. So you can order it electronically through there. It's also available through some uh, local locations here in the city, uh, through our, our usual outlets. Uh, you can buy it there. Uh, local retailers have it. Very good. And and there was a hiatus in 2020. There was no calendar that year, right? There was no calendar in 2020. Uh, that was just a situation that developed that we were unable to put one together. And uh, I guess if you're going to skip a year, skipping 2020 wasn't a bad year to skip. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. And the other uh, publication, which is out now from Historic Amsterdam League, is uh, called Ghosts of the Past. 2012 to 2019. These are, I believe, what the league calls ghost tours with uh, actors or local people uh, portraying the residents of the of the cemetery that took place regularly uh, around Halloween from 2012 through 2019. But of course, in 2020, uh, it, this would have come in during the pandemic. So, well, anyway, you, you, they were not held this past year correct yeah we uh we started back in 2012 uh we did miss the ones in 2016 again that was a culmination of events that just prevented us from being able to do it or as we said in the as we said in the book that the uh the veil that year didn't thin sufficiently for us to make contact across it so we were unable to uh unable to line up the residents that year to do it uh but unfortunately uh, and this year, the uh, the pandemic just kind of prevented us from being able to do it. But we we did we did start out to be able to do them this year, and we uh, started to put things in place. But we do have a real good start on it for next year. We'll put it that way. But every year after we've uh, done these tours, one of the things that people have asked for is, "Gee, do you have a do you have any kind of a book that gives us a rundown on the?" You know, on the uh, residents, we, we call them that we that we met this year, or gives us a little bit more information about them. And every every year, I get peppered with that question. So this seemed like the ideal year, since we couldn't do the tour itself in the cemetery. Uh, this seemed like the ideal year to go back and say, okay, we'll gather up everybody from all the years that we've done, and we'll kind of do a synopsis of the tours themselves, but we'll go a little deeper and. We'll give a biography of all 62 of the residents that we've uh, come 
come to visit over the course of the years and a little bit of the story of the background of how we developed the ghost tours and uh, everybody that's been involved and just give a little bit about it and a few stories about the cemetery itself and the history of it and some of the little interesting things. Follow the same type of pattern that we usually do with our tour books that we do in the summer, which we couldn't do our tours again this year, then those either, but we followed the same type of format with some interesting little sidebars and some stories, mm -hmm. and we hope that people uh, people that enjoy our books uh, will get the same type of uh, interesting little stories and enjoyment out of reading this one. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed it myself with all the... And you have pictures of many, or I guess maybe almost all of the residents. Maybe you got them of pictures of all of them. For example, when we were talking about the fire department, this uh, gentleman, John Service, S-E-R-V-I-S-S, -S, for whom they named a volunteer fire company, was it Service Holds Company, something or other like that. If we find out, for example, that he was a local, sounds like he was a local politician and insurance man, a very popular and was even known as the father of the fire department. Yes, definitely. And uh, we, we we've had, as you say, we met John Service, uh, one year, he was uh, actually one of the guides that took some of the groups around. And uh, if you uh, want to know more about him, you can read his biography now. And uh, we actually got the opportunity to go into a little bit more detail about about him and his background. Uh, things you didn't hear hear him actually tell you that evening when when you had a chance to meet him. But you also get a very good picture of uh, the gravesite and his stone and everything, which you may not have been able to see that well that evening in the in the dark. But one of the nice things we've also been able to do is uh, to let people, if they want to take a self-guided tour, we've provided the, uh, the book with some QR codes that if you have the apps on your uh, mobile device, you can use that to uh, give yourself a self-guided tour. It shows you the locations in the uh, cemetery. Or you can just... Uh, Go and go by the pictures that we've provided, which show the gravestones and give you a map of the locations and you do self-guided tours. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to take our tour or if you want to go back and revisit the locations you've been to and see what a lot of the people looked like, although a lot of them were around before there weren't photographs of them available, uh, mm -hmm. you, can, uh, you can go back and if uh, you come across anybody who looks familiar to you actually in the cemetery, we'd sure like to know about it. Amsterdam rural cemetery i mean it, it wasn't actually called that but i believe that's what green hill cemetery is as part of the rural cemetery movement of the 1800s it's kind of a it's smaller than the others that you think of in the capital district like vale cemetery in schenectady or albany rural in uh, in albany county uh, or probably even oakwood over in uh, troy or rensselaer county but it's an a neat size for the kind of project that you have, you do with it, you know, with the uh, Ghosts of the Past tours. And it's really centrally located. It's right next to, I mean, you have to go up the stairway, which is a troublesome for some, including myself, but it's right next to City Hall. It's very convenient. And uh, well, one of the interesting things, and in, if you have the book and you can read the history of it and everything, is that. City Hall, obviously, uh, most people realize is John Sanford's home, but he bought it from Joseph Cornell, 
the property where Green Hill Cemetery is located originally all belonged to Joseph Cornell, and he sold it uh, to, to the group that uh, was formed to uh, pick a place for the cemetery. So uh, there's, there's a definite tie-in together, and uh, Joseph Cornell was right at the top of the hill, right at the top of the stairs that go up from the cemetery, from City Hall. So it does all tie together there, and uh, it is it is very convenient for uh, the way we've been able to operate from there. Uh, it's it's an it's a gem right in the middle of the city, and if anybody hasn't visited Green Hill Cemetery uh, on a nice day, right now I would recommend going there. But on a nice day in the summertime, and uh, just to the stigma of cemeteries as being you know kind of gloomy and dark, and that just go on a nice sunny summer day and just go around and look at the place and realize that rural cemeteries were created for people that were alive to go and visit it and appreciate the beauty, the architecture, and the stonework, and just to enjoy being outdoors. They were they were the first public parks before public parks actually were a thing, so uh, it is it is a beautiful setting, and just go and appreciate it, because it's, it's really quite a place to go and see. Not to say that Green Hills without its problems, it's had kind of a gone through a rough patch of history itself, hasn't it? Yes, uh, and particularly just uh, just lately, uh, back in October, uh, when that we had that violent storm that moved through Green Hill, took an extraordinarily high number of trees that were downed by that storm, and there was a lot of damage done to it over there. They were still recovering a few weeks ago, uh, cleaning up the damage from that. So, uh, unfortunately, they they lost a lot of the old trees, and uh, some monuments were even destroyed when the trees came down on it. So, it uh, it has it has over the years uh, gone through a lot of changes and everything. So, uh, if you look at the old maps and everything in the book, you can see that uh, at one time. Uh, it was it was quite a bit different. It has evolved over the years, and obviously uh, there was a time when it was it was much more I, I won't say grandiose, but it was it was laid out uh, such that it was much more park-like. We'll say that with much more decorative elements than everything that has today. But again, there was more money than families that were being buried there in the old days. Uh, put much more money into it, and uh, a lot of those families are no longer in the area. Right. It, the upkeep must be a real problem there. As you say, the the descendants of the people, are they still burying people, do you know, at Green Hill? Yes, no, they're, they're still selling lots there, and they are still, you know, definitely still burying people there, but, uh, you know, perpetual care from 100 years ago, the money only went so long on a, on a grave. Uh, so it's definitely difficult to, uh, you know, for, for maintaining something such as that. You can imagine just to keep the grass mowed. You're looking at over 30 acres of ground now. And Amsterdam natives like myself, who grew up on Reed Hill, maybe even Park Hill, would often cut through the cemetery. I remember doing that all the time on my way to junior high, so I got kind of familiar with it. I've spent a lot of time over there just preparing for the tours and, and laying out you know, tour routes and finding finding uh, people to use, uh, you know, on our tours and uh, just getting information and things for uh, historical purposes. And there are there are a lot of people over there that still do cut through it as a, as a shortcut. 
But there are a lot of people that visit the cemetery, too. I've run into people from all over the state that come and take photographs of the monuments and uh, are doing genealogical research over there. So it is it is a very interesting place to go and look at. And uh, there's a lot of information there. There's a lot of history on the city over there if you just go and, and look at it and everything. And uh, we're, we're looking at possibly doing a project uh, to uh, try to uh, get information off some of the older stones next year. We're doing some 3D scanning on them and stuff, the ones you can't read with the... Uh, with the computerized scanners and stuff. So it, that would be interesting to be able to bring back some of the old stone engravings <laughs> and stuff that you can't actually read by, by eye anymore. I found out during my column this year, that I do a weekly history column for the Daily Gazette, uh, that people are, well, some people are just sort of fixated on cemeteries. Like I had two uh, stories that I followed with a couple of columns during the year. This woman up in Fish House, Joanne Blaber, a retired science teacher who's been documenting a small cemetery at the Presbyterian Church. And by documenting, I mean trying to find the history of people buried there and their wives, and but also trying to preserve the cemetery, even though it's not used and it's uh, in, in tough shape, uh, or has been, or even getting the lawn mowed. And then I met this... Uh, retired army colonel, uh, Dave Cummings, who doesn't live near there, but is very interested in the former Catholic cemetery in the town of Bleecker in the Adirondack, St. Joseph's uh, Cemetery. And he's kind of done the same thing, raising the hue and cry about it's terrible, it's fallen down, and then getting people to go up there and, and clean out the brush and, and so forth and find out who was buried there. I mean, I know this is a hop, skip, and a jump at least away from Amsterdam, but ironically, St. Joseph's Church in Bleecker was the first Roman Catholic church in Fulton County. It didn't last that long into the 20th century. They formed before the Civil War, and the church was torn down in 1919 as the population started to drop up there. But it... You know, it wasn't in Johnstown or Gloversville, but it was in Bleecker that there was the first Catholic church. So that's, you find these interesting facts by looking at cemeteries. Oh, yeah. I mean, as you, as you say, you just, there's so much history there. And I mean, of course, there's going to be history in a cemetery, but just, you can just, if you have any any interest in history at all, you can probably find some aspect of it in the cemetery that you can just go and dig into it. Just for an example, just military history. I met someone up there who was basically just trying to chart how many different military conflicts they could find graves for in Greenhill. And they could go all the way back to, I don't think there's any Revolutionary War burials in Greenhill. There is up in Manny's Corners. But mm-hmm. I don't think there's any Revolutionary War burials in Green Hill, but you can go all the way back to the Indian Wars uh, with Custer's cavalry out in out in the you know the West, and uh, you know the Spanish uh, Spanish American War and Civil War, obviously World War One, World War Two. 
you know, not so much not so much the more recent conflicts, uh, Korean War. Um, I don't, but the newer cemeteries, or the newer ones, he had gone through and he had something like you know, sixty or seventy different military just graves that he had found throughout the throughout the different conflicts and everything. But anybody who's interested in anything historical can go there and find certain things that they could concentrate on it and get information about. So it's 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 really a microcosm of all kinds of historical facts. And also the tours that Historic Amsterdam League uh, organized, and, and we certainly hope they come back uh, this year, uh, it, was all, it kind of reminded me reading about it in your booklet and from what I have heard tell about the tours, it's it's like you've created a a local theater troupe. <laughs> you know, there are people who enjoy portraying uh, the ghosts of the past, and it really uh, it's, it's like having a summer theater or something, except it's held in the in the late fall. And we do have some people that have actually asked if they can participate. Which, when you think about the circumstances that you're under. Uh, standing up in the middle of a cemetery, some nights has been cold and a little rainy and everything, and you know we put you out there in a costume and make you stand around and you know wait for people to come by and shine lights in your face. And, you know, but uh, some people actually love it, and they they do it year after year. And we've had some people that some people that aren't even members of HAL have asked if they can you know possibly do it. And, you know, or a year ahead, you know, can you find somebody that I can portray next year? And it's just amazing that people are that interested in doing it. But it's great, really. And it is. It's like putting on a Broadway production uh, when you look at all the different details that go into it. And uh, like I said, we, we actually had some other group from out of state ask us only half in jest if we'd be willing to take it on the road. And we said, absolutely not, because... It's all you can do to do it yourself, and anybody who's ever been involved in any kind of a uh, any kind of an amateur production like this, I won't say I shouldn't say amateur. I should say semi-amateur uh, recognizes what's involved. But it, it's a lot of fun on both sides, and we were so disappointed that we couldn't do it this year. That I mean, it was it was as much a disappointment for us as it was for everybody else that we couldn't do it this year. But like I say, we we've got quite a few quite a few people lined up. Uh, for next year that uh, we want to we want to portray, and you also have stories about the history of the cemetery. Tell us about Alice the elephant. What is her relationship to Green Hill? <laughs> well, I, I don't want to give I don't want to give the whole story away for somebody who wants to read the book. But if uh, if anybody remembers when the circuses used to come to Amsterdam uh, and used to set up around different areas of the city here, we always used to. We always used to get the, you know, a circus now and then. It would come to town in the summertime, and all the animals weren't always very well behaved necessarily that came to town with the circuses. And if you ever heard the uh, the old tales of the elephant graveyard, if you ever watched any old Tarzan movies and stuff, you might be interested to know that uh, Green Hill might be uh, might be on the list of possible places for the elephant graveyard. So that's that's one of the one of the little stories that we were able to uh, able to find and uh, and write up about in the uh, in the booklet. And it's still a question as to whether or not that was that was an accident or if it was a, a promotional deal. 
Amsterdam historian Jerry Snyder is a founder of Historic Amsterdam League. Uh, he has been talking about ghosts of the past, 2012 through 2019, a history of tours that the league uh, has uh, operated during the Halloween season over the years at Green Hill Cemetery in Amsterdam. Also available uh, on their website, the Historic Amsterdam League, is their Amsterdam Icons calendar for 2001, which chronicles Amsterdam's uh, firefighting efforts. You've been listening to the Historians Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.